Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the Full Stack Journey podcast, where we talk about the ongoing evolution of the IT professional and the journey of learning that stretches across the full stack of technologies in the modern data center. As always, my purpose here on the podcast is to share practical, usable, actionable, real-world information um, about the journey of learning that occurs for modern IT professionals. And in this particular episode, we're kind of going back to our roots. Uh, longtime listeners will recall that we originally launched the Full Stack Journey podcast, talking to individuals who had made a significant shift in their career. Perhaps they were formerly a network professional and they now are a programmer, or maybe they were a programmer and now they're a storage professional, whatever the case may be. And uh, we're, we're going back to that concept uh, for this episode. And uh, joining me today, I have uh, somebody, I think, somebody who I think uh, their journey will be very, very useful for listeners. And so joining me today is uh, Jason Edelman. Jason, how are you? Good, Scott. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. And thanks for taking time to uh, join me here on the podcast. Um, so Jason, you know, you and I, we've collaborated on a lot of things. We've known each other for quite some time, you know, shameless plug here, listeners. Um, Jason and I are wrapping up a book on network automation and programmability with O'Reilly media. Um, it should be available very, very soon. So obviously we've been, we've, you know, worked together quite a bit, but, um, for the listeners who may not be familiar with you, why don't you, uh, take a minute and give a little uh, introduction and background. Sure. Sure. So my background you know, dates back to just a very traditional networking background. So I got my career started in IT, working in network operations, network engineering, happened to work for Cisco and, and VARS over the past uh, 12, 13, 14 years going into uh, 2014. And the main point I focus on that is you know, really, really to you know, hone in on that I come from like the most traditional networking backgrounds that a person can have. And it wasn't until about 2014 or so where I really made that that drastic shift to what I would say go all in on a network automation, programmability, and in this space, I like to say, is the intersection of DevOps and network operations or network engineering. So, you know, so right now I work at a company called Network to Code that I started a couple of years ago, and our sole focus is to help those ramp up on their journey into network automation. And this could be through training, professional services, and different avenues uh, like that. But really, you know, the when you look back at my career from you know, early early 2000s uh, to now, I guess that was more time than I thought of, I had my career. But going back 15, 16 years, it was you know the networking, CCI background, and uh, no programming, no automation. It kind of went all in a couple of years ago. And I'll repeat that a lot throughout the, the podcast because I just want to to really really focus on that because there's a lot of there's a lot of you know feedback that questions that I get usually daily and weekly about you know making that making that journey. So I'm glad I can share some of that today with you on this podcast, Scott. Yeah, that's that's perfect, Jason, and I think that's one of the reasons why I think that this episode will really resonate with a lot of listeners because. I think there are a lot of folks out there, a lot of networking professionals out there who feel this pressure that they need to evolve, they need to grow, much like, you know, all, all of us across IT, right? But it, it, and it might just be because, you know, I, I kind of have a bit of a networking background myself, but it feels like that, that pressure is particularly intense for networking professionals. And so I think that your journey in going from a very traditional network engineer to somebody who's really solely focused on that space of network automation, network programmability is really going to be helpful. And, and so I'm, I'm excited for the kind of information they're going to be able to share with listeners um, on this show. So um, 
help us walk through this a little bit, Jason. You said it was around around 2014, somewhere thereabouts, that you kind of started down that journey of transforming your skill set, moving from a very traditional network engineer, CCIE, you know, all of that, to someone more focused on programming and network automation. What was the catalyst? Like, was it a, a particular piece of technology, a particular person, a combination of factors that really told you, hey, you need to make this shift? Yeah, it was a combination of things. When I look back, and you know, it's, it's really hard to find that one event, but I would have to, I'd have to probably say, I started a blog in 2000, I believe it was 2011, bordering 2010 or 11, if I, if I, if I recall. And at the time, it was, it was in the early days of OpenFlow and next-gen networking, and I had read my first white paper on OpenFlow with OpenVSwitch back then. And this, this notion of like next-gen network architectures to me was just – it couldn't happen fast enough. And I, I read dozens of articles daily, consumed so much data and knowledge. And so I, you know, I didn't have an outlet for it in my, in my day job at the time. And so I started a blog to write about it and speculate about it and all these next-gen technologies. And that was probably the starting point of, of the shift. But again, that was 2010 or 11. I continued to write about this, you know, for for a couple of years on just again speculation on where the industry was going, the impact of you know, decoupling a control plane and data plane, and 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 what and what could you know what we can make of this you know within the industry, and I think I think in 2013, the end of the year, maybe it was beginning of 14. I remember I remember in my current role, I did a lot of uh, pre-sales engagements technical designs and architectures at the time I actually wasn't that hands-on day-to-day even from a perspective of routing switching CLI that was my day job in terms of whiteboarding uh, designs layer two layer three land WAN, wireless security again what I would say is traditional a network engineer and you know as as we were exploring different technologies and next things for our clients I worked at, at a VAR at the time and I remember I remember somebody asking me, well, you know, are you going to be the guy? Am I going to be the guy that's going to help our clients down this path? And, and I thought about it, well, am, you know, am I going to be the guy? I didn't, I really didn't know what, you know, what they meant and you know, what he meant. You know, does that mean I have to be hands-on? Because at the time my role was, was architecture, pre-sales. It was a little bit less hands-on day to day. And I thought, I thought that's a great question. Maybe this is time for me to, you know, pick a new technology or pick a new avenue that I think is is going to be hot over the next couple of years. And it really, it really, it was an eye opener for me to kind of take a step back to say, am I going to be, you know, the guy for whatever that could mean? And you know, around around the same time, Cisco announced an SDK called One PK, and you know, there was a Java SDK and a CSDK. And for you know, and even uh, even at that point, there was a Python one that wasn't really uh, feature rich. But you know, this was my first you know first uh, dive into you know what came to be as network programmability on, on network devices with this SDK thing and trying to trying to program and and go down that path. And that was like the start of the journey. And it was basically to finally not necessarily just write about it and speculate with with literally just words in, in my personal blog, it was saying, well, how can I actually become more practical and, and really learn this stuff to, to convey it to our clients that could be looking at automation uh, down the road? So it was the shift from becoming, from being probably what, you know, more of a, a theorist 
or a philosopher when it came to writing and, and thinking about what the network shifts meant to taking that leap to say, you know, this is, this is something different. We're having an SDK on network device or an API. And that was probably the, the jump in. And that's a whole different uh, path that we can kind of dive into. But that was probably the moment where I really started to, to dive into to code. And at the time, it was, I literally had no idea where to even, where to even begin you know, down that journey. But that was where, that was where the catalyst uh, came from. The dating back from again blogging high level, I really felt like I needed to kind of you know, get down to the weeds if I was going to start writing about you know this programming or automation stuff on the network side of things. All right, so you know you you, you saw these changes in the industry um, with the decoupling of the control plane from the data plane and the the addition of APIs and uh, you know other sort of interfaces beyond just the CLI to network devices, and then the introduction of um, software development kits or SDKs, which are designed to help developers interact with or or um, integrate with these things, and you felt like, hey, this is this is a really important shift, and and I want to be kind of at the at the helm of of helping to drive this and helping other people understand how they can get started. Does that kind of sound like it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. That was it. You know, again, coming from the VAR space consulting space, it was just saying, hey, this this is some, something is here, and you know, I had that just goal to be a part of it and, and see how that could really impact uh, customers going forward. But what's, what's unique about it, I wanted to talk about like that journey just for a quick minute with, you know, diving into code. Because at the time, I will say at the time, there wasn't training, you know, for a lot of this stuff. And, you know, today, as I mentioned, you know, where I do day to day today, we actually do a lot of, a lot of training for network automators and, you know, conversions of the ne- you know, next gen network engineer. And, and at the time, like there was none of this out there and you know, even trying to learn programming languages, there really wasn't even courses. There might've been, it might've been the start of a lot of these, you know, free online courses that existed out there or that started to exist, but there, there, I, I didn't find a, what I, what I wanted, which was, you know, somebody to be with me in a room to help coach me and answer my dumb questions. Cause I like to say, if I understand it, then it's possible for anybody to, to learn it. And at the time, I, I really couldn't fathom how to do some, some basic primitive concepts when it came down to programming. And I wrote a blog about this a couple years ago, is you know, how this came to fruition. You know, I still live near where I went to university. I still live about a mile or two miles away. And I was in fraternity when I was in college. So I ended up trying to think about it. You know, how, how could I work maybe a bit, a bit smarter about gaining this knowledge to so-called, you know, program networks. This is before, you know, automation tools were, you know, were being used on the network side as well. So I ended up reaching out to, you know, random, a random brother in fraternity house that at the time, you know, he might've been 17, 18 years old. I was, I was at the time, I guess, in my early, my early thirties. And, you know, just trying to reach out to see if he can help broker an introduction to, you know, somebody, one of his friends that might be open to, you know, teaching this person that has no background in development and that's trying to, to get started and you know, I can kind of you know, pay, you know, whatever, you know, whatever, you know, a nice, a nice fee for a college student for, for tutoring. And I can provide career advice you know, should they, you know, should they uh, choose to use it. And so this went on and we met in the library at university 
you know, once about once a week for two, three hours at a clip. And, you know, we, you know, bounced around from programming languages, you know, started in Java because that was the SDK I chose to use. And it was one thing led to the next where, you know, I kind of knew early on, well, I was learning this and, and said, hey, well, this isn't going to make a website. You know, we need to have like soft service and buttons to click automate networks. And you know, he mentioned, you know, PHP and the LAMP stack. And that was at the time, you know, fairly new, dove into that and then, and then jumped around, asked about Python. He didn't know Python, but his friend did. So he pulled me off on his friend. And so this went on for, for a few months. And then gradually, I finally you know, had some work projects that, that had the opportunity to, to program and automate against. And I think that's where, you know, kind of really hit home when you know, I kind of was trying to solve a, a real project and then, you know, sort of meet once a week at the library for a couple hours and then had, had sort of self-inflicted homework that I would spend, you know, 20, 30 hours a week on really, really diving in to see uh, what's possible. And that's probably what I would call like the really important piece that probably was a huge catalyst for, or not a catalyst, but a huge, um, a huge, you know, time saver with, instead of myself, just sort of, you know, having late nights and weekends and having somebody to go to and ask you know, those dumb questions you know, really helped me out personally. So that's um, that's a that's a cool story, you know. Reaching back to your to your college fraternity to see if somebody out there can can help you out. Um, so I, I, you know, one of the interesting things that I heard um, as as you were talking earlier is that you felt like you needed to get started on this this journey, right? There were all these technologies happening, and there was a you know big shift that you felt was happening in networking. And I, th- I think I heard you say specifically, uh, I didn't even know where to start. Um, and I think that probably there's a lot of listeners out there who want to pick up some, I guess you could call it programming skills. You know, maybe they're networking professionals, maybe they aren't, maybe they're, you know, virtualization admins, or maybe they're, you know, operating system admins or storage admins or whatever the case may be. But the industry seems to be pushing everybody towards this idea of being more familiar with developer tools and the development process and even doing some programming, even if it's just simple scripting on your own. So the fact that you're, you know, you're, you're seeing that change and you're saying, okay, I know I need to do this, but I don't even know where to start. I think that's, that's something that a lot of listeners can identify with. So, you know, if you were talking to, you know, uh, uh, an IT professional out there and and if you want to sort of, you know, focus this on networking pros, since that's where you came from, that's fine. But, you know, what would you tell them? Where should they start? Yeah, where, where should they start? Great, you know, great question overall. And and you mentioned this earlier in the introduction. So as a networking professional, I do think once it's fully published and the hard copy is out, starting with you know, the book that ourselves and, and Matt Oswald is currently currently writing, I think it's a great place to start. Where a lot of foundational technologies are covered in a, in a book like that, cover, you know, covering things like Linux, Git, Python, network APIs, and some. And some configuration management automation tools uh, as well. I think you know, that sort of book is is a great place to start. You know, there's also and you know, folks in the community. You know, give a plug for Kirk Byers, who has a free Python training for network engineers specifically. And so Kirk's done some great work there as well. You know, of course, there's there's blog and blogs are you know some of the best places to to start as well. You know, you, you've written quite a bit about this space. I've written a bit less recently, but have some older blogs to help. To help jumpstart uh, folks into into the space, 
now again you know where i work today you know we have you know more more enterprise type of in training for instructor-led training on site as an as, as another example but you know even even with that one aside i, I do think there's there's really you know the, the the notion of making sure you understand sort of the skills that you do want to learn making sure you understand why you want to why you want to learn those and so you know, if, it, if it is specifically around uh, network automation i do think like the book uh, you know paid for training obviously you know if if it's in the budget is great you know kirk fires you know free training great i do think you know vendors like cisco have really set their game up in the past in the past year or two the cisco devnet has been has been phenomenal with a lot all of their content is, is free as well so you can kind of learn about different types of apis you know, how you can automate different types of platforms uh, with uh, tooling and which is also an important point because as as somebody who wants to learn network automation and just get started i would definitely focus you know less on maybe the device os and more on the tooling as an example if you happen to be using you know if it's juniper uh, devices rista devices and you might not be able to find concrete examples from vendor a b or c but you do find great free material from another vendor don't uh, don't dismiss it because it's not the product you're using and you know, make sure you kind of have the mindset of of what this platform, what this tool or this programming language is doing, and then worry less, of, you know, about potentially, you know, how you're doing it on on that vendor's implementation of a given, you know, of a given uh, API. As an example, you know, there you might have SDN controllers. Maybe it's an NSX controller, or maybe it's, uh, you know, it's Open Daylight. It's some open source implementation. When you like, the main goal here is trying to understand how we can interface with. RESTful or web-based APIs versus knowing the details of a specific implementation. I think that's one of the things to consider. You know, as folks want to look for for training and read books, just try to keep in mind that there's a lot of a lot of different uh, mechanisms to consider that are broader in nature than a, than than how a specific implementation actually functions. One more, uh, you know, community-based forum for for learning. And you know, I happened to create a Slack team that, that uses the network to code name a couple of years ago and it's self sign up, right? No, nothing, no money being made here. No, no sponsorships there, which is you know, nice. So it's just a community of network engineers that have made or are making the journey to network automation. So there's, there's a Slack team self sign up at network to code. Uh, I'm sorry, slack.networktocode.com uh, self sign up there. And once you join this the Slack team, there's channels for for vendors. You might see an Arista channel, a VMware channel, but then you might see channels for uh, certain open source libraries like NetMiko or Napalm or Ansible for that matter. And so there's just it's been you know, right now I think there's up to a couple thousand community members that exist, and uh, everyone here is at different points in their career of network automation. But there's folks on on the on the Slack team that has automated large global networks and there's folks that are you know, literally just getting started with python and so there's different channels for all this type of stuff and i think you know if, if a person is able to join that type of slack team and ask questions as they're reading a book or going through training then i think it would be hugely valuable and i wish i had that sort of thing you know, going back you know four or five years ago when i started to make this shift myself yeah uh, that's a good point and, and just you know as a as a 
as a user of the of the Network to Code Slack um, team myself, right, I can I can attest to the the value. There are so many uh, really really sharp people that are participate in the in the network automation community that's found there. And uh, you know, just the other day, in fact, I was asking about uh, some stuff regarding Cumulus VX. And, you know, a couple of Cumulus guys were there and they jumped on right away and answered my questions. And so it was, it was very helpful. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out. And just uh, as a note, um, listeners, we'll make sure that any of these URLs and resources that Jason is mentioning are included in the show notes. So don't worry about trying to scramble and jot that stuff down. You can just visit the, uh, the uh, website uh, for the podcast um, for this particular episode and we'll have them listed in the, uh, in the show notes. So, um, you know, first of all, I want to say it's it's cool that you are sort of building the path as you for as you take the path, right? Um, which is is really challenging. So so kudos on on being able to not only you know sort of discover what this path looks like as you've traveled it yourself, but also um, you know sort of laying the bricks so that others following along behind you can uh, you know can can play, can move along that trail without having to you know hack down the weeds and the, and the trees that you had to hack down. Um, but let's, let's, so let's, um, kind of take this down one level real quick. Um, and I, uh, cause I want to come back to that question of, you know, where does someone start? And I want to kind of look at that from a very, a very practical perspective. One of the things that I'm really, um, set on for the podcast is, is giving people, you know, very specific, very practical information they can get done when they're listening to the podcast and they can walk away and say, Hey, you know, I heard about technology X or product Y or, you know, group Z, and I want to go learn about that. Um, so there's, there's a ton of opportunities out there in terms of, you know, uh, configuration management tools that now offer extensive network tooling, aka Ansible, Salt, whatever. Um, there's a ton of languages out there, Python, Java, uh, you know, Golang, et cetera, et cetera. Um, from, from your perspective and based on your experience, what would you recommend to a beginner that offers sort of, you know, um, the easiest path, you know, the easiest onboarding path, you know, somebody jump into, into doing some, you know, Golang programming, or are they better off starting out with some Python? And if they, you know, I don't know, kind of just share your thoughts there. Yeah, no, definitely. It's a good question. And this goes back to when I first started down this, you know, down this path myself, when I was, you know, doing customer demos probably four plus years ago at my last employer, I remember doing some demos in Python to, you know, to network engineers. And I literally saw like, eyes, eyes glaze over. And, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't necessarily you know, the best thing. Maybe it was me, maybe it was Python. I don't, I really don't, I really don't know at the time. But however, I think I had the realization then that, you know, it's going to be, it would be a long road ahead you know, if the answer was to, have to have every network engineer learn Python to write production grade code and, and support that. So it would be it would be a very, a very long very long journey. Now that being said, I do think there's you know, there's value in having the baseline skill sets. But I look at the question on um, you know the easiest path to get started, and of course easy is relative. But but I do think from what from what I've seen, my experience. I continue to see now as, as we help clients automate large production networks, you know, we're still seeing uh, Ansible be you know, by Red Hat be a great platform for, for automating networks. But it's also it's also even if you couldn't use Ansible in production for whatever reason, you know, maybe it's you know the use of maybe there's already tooling in place, or maybe there's you know a lack of open source you know uh, support in the organization. 
but it's actually a great learning platform. And Ansible by Red Hat is a an open source config management platform that was originally built to automate application deployments and systems. And and over the past couple of years, there's been a lot of community integrations. And Ansible directly is is adding a lot of functionality into Ansible to automate networks. So I would say literally within 15 minutes, you could have Ansible installed on a Linux host and automating automating networks or generating configurations through through templating in a very in a very practical uh, manner. Now the nice thing I, I call Ansible a great learning platform as well because for one you're learning you are learning how to use Ansible, but to use Ansible like you need to do things like write what's called a workflow or a playbook that uses YAML and as you write a playbook, you can have three or four tasks in a playbook. Every task has to return JSON as an example. And if there isn't something that you can do in Ansible, it's open source and you can extend it and you can extend it in Python or other languages should you choose to. And so it's, it's this platform that indirectly you know, almost forces you to, to learn the tool itself, YAML, JSON, and then if you're going to collaborate within a team, you, know, you might as a byproduct on a version things in, in a Git repository. So, so I do think practically, you know, Ansible's been a great, a great learning platform. And as you start down, as somebody starts down this path, you, know, you have to understand things like you know, data types and data structures and you know, learn how to represent a data structure in JSON or, or YAML. And that's independent, that's super important independent of Ansible. And I think, in, you know, in even automating, you know, things within AWS, I think this is where you have a lot more experience than I do, but, you know, there's there's config uh, files that you would need to define if it's a cloud formation templates and things like that. Other tooling, if you're using Puppet, you might have to define and, you know, you might have to define data in YAML files. So, so right about way, I do think in terms of getting started to pick a tool, I think Ansible is, you know, is a great, is a great uh, platform to get started with. But there's inherent value in what else it teaches you that could be used elsewhere on your on your journey in automation. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good recommendation. I mean, I, I first got started in configuration management using Puppet, and then switched to Ansible and found that the for me at least the on ramp for Ansible was a lot less steep than what I had found for the on ramp for Puppet. And this is not a reflection, you know, against Puppet. Um, it's very very powerful, and there's trade offs. Right, that that um, that you get in terms of, uh, you know, some things might be a little easier in Puppet because of the way they do their abstractions versus, um, you know, the learning process might be a little easier in Ansible because it's a little more, um, a little less abstracted away from from the underlying platforms. Um, but but that's good. I mean, at least it gives some place to start. And I want to I want to kind of supplement that I think with with a with a thought of my own, and that is, you know, we had several guests on the podcast talk about sort of their own journey of learning and, and what they had to go through. And, and a couple of the recommendations that guests made were when you're looking at a tool, find, especially if you're doing this like at work and within a group of individuals, look for a tool that kind of maximizes the the synergy or the sort of the cooperation with the rest of your team. So, you know, if you've got a, a team of folks out there and they're using, you know, let's say Puppet or Salt to, to manage their servers, right? And you're the networking gal and you want to pick up uh, a piece, you know, it may not make sense to start with Ansible because 
it doesn't really sort of fit with what the rest of your team is doing. And maybe in that case, you'd say, oh, okay, well, then I need to start out with salt. Um, but, but otherwise, I do, I do agree. There's lots of opportunities with any of these tools. Um, Ansible, you know, I know from a direct experience, seems to be pretty easy to get started with. Um, so uh, sort of thinking about that as well, real quick, and then I want to move on to sort of sharing any, any um, you know, lessons learned as you went through this process. Um, you mentioned that, you know, fairly quickly, somebody could be up and running with Ansible on a Linux host and doing a variety of things. It sounds like, you know, perhaps people's view of network automation isn't, um, you know, it, it might only be, oh, I'm going to, you know, push a config out to a, uh, to a device, right? But there's other ways that they could get started down that path that maybe are a little um, lower risk for a beginner. Is that, is that accurate? And if so, you know, what, what might those be? Yeah, exactly. No, it's a great, great point to, to bring up. And yeah, yeah, again, day to day, you know, I'm working with a lot of clients on you know, looking at what we say, how to gradually and practically adopt uh, network automation. And usually, usually config management and deploying configurations is always top of mind when speaking about it. But the reality is, at least from what I'm seeing uh, today, Especially if you are trying to use an open source tool, you know, whatever, whatever it might be, or, or I should say a new tool, right? When you want to give, you know, give access to have a tool deploy configurations, it's, it's a bit more risky uh, to do that. So we're seeing, we're seeing a lot of clients get started with, we can say, you know, read only network automation and in reality, then you know, we're really trying to you know, collect the data. And, but you know, the real value is, you know, what we're, what we're doing with that data, you know, for specific use cases and clients. And we talk a lot about you know, things like documentation, right? There's a lot of, there's a lot of networks that have uh, very little documentation and are usually when there's a document created, you might use Microsoft Word, or I might use Excel. And uh, before you know it, you know, somebody had made maybe an ad hoc change and, and documentation is, is out of date. So there's things you can document the network programmatically or, or, or through the use of automation and to build you know, dynamic reports. And these could be reports for you know, the same data could be used to generate reports for the engineers or the directors or the executives, you know, whoever wants to view it. You know, there could be different types of views you know, into, into that data. That's pretty broad in nature. You know, it's reports and nothing too crazy there, but it's, you know, and we have, you know, we've done, you know, things like really nice these days and, you know, Slack is a you know, fairly popular, you know, chat program and, have has really nice APIs to work with, or it could be, you know, just via via Slack. If your whole team is using a chat program, like like if it's a Slack, Spark, you know, JavaScript, you know, whatever, you know, whatever it might be, you could directly through chat query query a device or even or even a tool. Right? This could be you know through Slack query your SNMP polling tool and and get back that graph via via Slack, and that way if there's problems on the network. Everyone isn't hammering the SNMP tool and, and and saying what they see. Everyone can see what exactly is being is being performed on the network. Let's say in in real time. So when we look at network automation, there's definitely use cases like that that exist, you know, all the time. You know, we hear about enabling other teams, enterprises, and organizations. And you know, as of this week, you know, I was on the road. I should say last week. But you know, heard from heard from a client that you know, wants to enable uh, different teams to give access to the types of data to eliminate and mitigate the amount of tickets that are open and passed to the network teams 
And this could be, you know, an IP phone isn't working properly, or it could be an access point isn't working properly, or this PC is working properly. And this is where, you know, a lot of network teams, you know, don't give access to a tier one help desk or whoever it might be internally. But you know, there could be, maybe it's a self-service portal, you know, maybe it's through Slack or chat, whatever it might be. But it's, you know, figuring out what data other teams can make use of to minimize the amount of tickets and time taken by network operations. So there's a lot of those, there's a lot of those types of use cases, but it does boil down to using network automation for something different than configuration management or deploying uh, commands faster, let's say. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I, I, and I think it's, I think it's you know, pretty smart for folks. And, and this is, a, I think, a fundamental concept that doesn't just apply to network automation, but applies, um, as you pointed out, I think, anytime you're adopting a, a tool that is new to your team or to your process, to start out in ways that are minimally intrusive and sort of safe, if you will, you know, read only um, until everyone becomes familiar with that tool and how that tool can integrate. And then you can begin to move on to more advanced sorts of, of integrations like pushing configs out to devices or, you know, writing configuration templates and, and uploading those or whatever the case may be. Uh, so I think that's, a, that's definitely a good recommendation. And, and again, probably applies equally well to other forms of automation besides network automation or the, other, the use of other types of tools that are new to you or new to your organization, new to your team or new to your process. Um, all right. So shifting gears just a little bit here, you know, this is a, this is a pretty big shift that you've made coming from this very sort of, you know, traditional network engineer background, right? Um, and making this sort of change requires picking up a, a lot of new skills and learning lots of new information. And you've shared kind of some of the, some of the, you know, uh, things that you did in terms of reaching out to others um, and and helping having a, sort of a resource that you could you could use and and over the last few years we've seen lots of online you know uh, education platforms spring up places where you can try writing code or they'll teach you how to write code or you know you can take a course in Python or you know Java or whatever your 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 you know desire is um, but it's still assimilating a lot of information and so I was wondering if you could take a few minutes and kind of share with the listeners, sort of, are there any tips or tricks that you picked up that um, worked well for you? And, and uh, listeners, I'll remind you that, you know, everybody's learning process is a little different. So what Jason shares in terms of what worked for him may not work for you, but at least it gives you something you can try. But were there any tips or tricks that you could share with listeners that might help them on their journey of learning? You know, things that you did or, or things that you probably shouldn't have done that maybe slowed you down and you realize now looking back on it, um, anything like that? Yeah, interesting question. And when I think about it for tips and tricks, I don't know if I'm going to have, have the best answer, but I, I do think it's about finding a real problem. I do think there's there's adequate training material out there in types, different types of capacities, as we've talked about, to to, you know, to ramp up if it's from blogs to, to books and things like that. But I do think there's there's a significant difference for folks just getting started to say, hey, I want to learn about you know, language A or tool, tool X, and you know, they get it installed and, okay, you know, I want to I automate the network or I want to automate, I want to automate, yeah, I want to automate the network. And then you can kind of dive in, well, which network do you want to automate? You know, what, what challenges do you have? And I really think taking, taking a more of a, a top-down approach could, you know, change things drastically on, on somebody's journey to say, 
you know what, if you know their day to day is doing manual network operations, and to really to really take a good look at you know the tasks performed you know, daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly, and and seeing you know, where does it you know, where could it make sense, where could it impact the team, and and really help them forward if something was was to be automated. And again, this could be as I said, read-only stuff, compliance checks, and you know, ensuring maybe the NTP servers configured properly across the devices. So I really think it comes down to, again, not a tip or trick per se, but to find you know a real you know a real problem. And otherwise, if you go to learn YAML for YAML's sake, you know it's it's just really really hard. You know, feedback that I get quite a bit around around folks that I've talked to and, and helped train them directly. Is you know if they go to Code Academy or some of these sites that are teaching Python or teach, teaching tooling, they'll say you know they they have them they have them build a for loop and loop through fruits, right? Little apples, oranges, bananas, all these different uh, types of fruits, and you know it's so not contextual for for what we do day to day as networking professionals, where you really want to try to bridge that gap. And of course, if the training is network specific, that, that's awesome. And even if, even if it is, you want to be able to make it practical because I, I find that if you're solving a problem that is near and dear to your heart, you really understand the ins and outs of it. And even if you're doing a lab from you know from training, again, still good, but your your heart isn't in that as much as it's in a problem that you're trying to solve and maybe prepare for an upcoming change. So that's really the really main thing is. Is to you know find a problem you know try to solve that and uh, you know be vocal and, and, and have an opinion. You know, I think if you keep it to yourself, it's harder sometimes to to learn. And you know, don't be afraid don't be afraid of, of being wrong. If that's on on Slack or on Twitter or blogs. Just try to post you know post uh, you know post as as somebody learns and and folks in the community will will help uh, correct and, and guide them you know, should their you know, should it be public? Well, I think that your your recommendation to to start with the problem is actually a really good one because, you know, I can share uh, from from my own experience several years back. I, I wanted to to uh, sort of you know expand my ability to program, and so uh, I said, well, I'm going to learn how to write Perl. Now, choice of Perl was probably a bad choice, but <laughs> um, you know, I, I got into this, and I'm learning the language as you pointed out for the language's sake. And after a few months, I'm just like, you know, I, this is this is interesting and, and such, but I have no problem to solve. Like, I there's no point to this. It's just, you know, it, it's whatever, right? Um, so I do think that it's important for for listeners who may be deciding that they're going to follow down this path themselves, and, and and again reiterating that you know this isn't you know your experience has been coming from a networking background into doing more automation but this could apply to any listener whether they're in networking or storage or or operating systems or hypervisors or security right as as they embrace automation and sort of the 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 need to use automation or to become more effective in our jobs um, on a day-to-day basis it is important i think to to say uh if you're going to go down that path of automation uh, or you know, learning a language, a script, or whatever the case may be, right? Um, tie it to a problem. Look at look at your pain points. You know, this is the thing that I have to do that takes up so much of my time that I really hate doing. 
let's find a way to automate that so that I can move on and do other things that maybe offer more value to my team and my organization. So I think that's, that is important um, and, and, a, and a useful tip for, for people to, to keep in mind. And I uh, definitely do. Yeah. yeah. All right. So we're, we're getting ready to wrap up here. Um, I, I want to just, you know, sort of reiterate, it's been it's the, the information you shared has been very, very useful. Um, but I'd like for you to, to sort of take your eyes off of the path that you followed and now look ahead to the future and put on your, your, you know, uh, magic genie um, sort of outfit there and gaze into your crystal ball and just tell us like, what do you see coming sort of in this space, you know, you're, you're pretty heavily focused on network automation. What do you see coming in this space that listeners should kind of watch out for, you know, like, Oh, um, I, sh- I, I, I've heard about X or Y or, or Z, whatever it is. Um, I don't know whether this is important or not. So should I really pay attention to it? Um, what's on your radar? I mean, what, what is, what is sort of next as far as you can tell for you and for your skill set? Um, I think that that might be helpful for listeners to know. Yeah, good question. I think my radar might be a bit different than it was a couple of years ago in terms of you know what's what's being next. I only say that because as as we alluded to earlier, you know I, I do I'm at a company now that we're you know we're a small company, growing company, and so there's you know current you know current radar is definitely you know maybe a bit more on on the business side, but. But I, I will say I'll try to map it back to even things I do day to day because I do quite a bit of of teaching on these concepts that we've been talking about. So, so I would say as as somebody does go on their on their journey, you know, learning about automation, if it's network systems application, you know, whatever it might be, I'll consider you know, definitely consider trying to teach somebody else and and see how much you can convey the knowledge to have a friend or a colleague. Uh, you know, down that path with you to say, you know, do you have, do you know it well enough to, you know, teach somebody the ba- even the basics of if it's Python or, or Ansible or if it's YAML or whatever, whatever it might be. So in terms of it's more of a, more of a, you know, a challenge to those folks going down this path to say, you know, again, can they, you know, can they, you know, write about it or, or you know, put a video out there to try to convey uh, what they know. For me personally, again, more on the business side. But you know things, you know things that that are on my radar that have has been you know maybe a little less focus you know in the past year. Definitely cloud, you know definitely Amazon. You know Amazon has been you know creeping up on on all of us probably for the better half of the last the last decade. But when you know when I look at technologies that I've been focused on and I've talked mentioned a lot of the acronyms you know in this podcast. There's definitely, you know, a huge, huge and growing demand and interest for, for not just Amazon, AWS, and Azure and Google, but you know the networking components in there and everything that, you know, I do today definitely has that that niche twist and focus to it around networking because networking is usually forgotten about. We're talking about cloud, we're talking about, you know, it could be you know tools and platforms that orchestrate maybe compute applications and storage and Maybe the requirement is FlyDL to FlyDL to network as, as an example, and so you know t- there's definitely a lot of focus uh, from my side going forward, a bit more on on Amazon networking, and you know bringing that back on prem, definitely a bit more around networking architectures for uh, call it next gen data centers when you think about you know, Docker and Kubernetes and microservices and, and what the impact could be 
on on the network side of things, that's likely where there'll be a bit more focus as we as we you know, start this year and, and go on to probably several years uh, to come. All right, perfect. So there you go. Um, and, and I would you know I would agree by the way that um, this the 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 increasing velocity by which organizations are adopting public cloud platforms creates um, a very interesting opportunity because uh, traditional network design looks one way and cloud network design is equally important but looks very different, right? In terms of architecting a set of uh, VPCs and route tables, you know, that's, that's a very different sort of exercise than designing, you know, a spine leaf for, uh, for your on-premises data center. Um, both equally challenging, both have their unique set of challenges, both deeply networking um, centric, right? But, but very different in terms of how you go about that. And so that's an interesting point that you, that you raised there. Um, all right, so we're, we're getting close to the end of our time. Uh, any, any closing thoughts that you wanna share with readers? I would just say for folks that are truly just getting started, you know, pick a technology and, and stick with it for a bit. And, you know, I'm really referring to, it could be an automation tool or programming language and, you know, stick with it for, for a couple of weeks, a couple months, uh, preferably. Cause I do know when, you know, folks start dabbling in newer technologies, they, you know, it's very easy to just pick, you know, the sexiest one or the newest one and jump around and it could be, you learned, you know, puppet this week. Maybe it's salt next week, and sometimes it's it's you don't spend enough time there to really understand, uh, for one, the power of what it could do, or it could it could even be the drawbacks of, of a certain platform or a certain tool. So I like to definitely recommend picking a platform or technology and learn it really well because if you happen to do that, it'll definitely make the next one uh, that much that much easier to uh, to learn. And, and one, one more point, you know, as we, as we talk about network automation, there's always that topic that we, luckily we haven't brought up too much on this, on this podcast, but SDN and you know, what SDN is, I just want to make mention of when you start automating networks, it's, it, it should really be agnostic of the technology underneath, under the underneath, uh, meaning, you know, if there's a network leaf spline, as you mentioned, or if it's a LAN, a WAN, a wireless network. All those networks are fully automatable, you know, given you know, there is the right manual workflow to start automating. But sometimes we run into conversations where you know, if there is a controller, and we can just call that an SDN type of network or next-gen network that has a controller as part of the architecture, then there isn't need to, to do so-called automation. These controllers, as mentioned earlier, have northbound or web-based APIs. And so we still want to eliminate we still want to eliminate manual operations. That could be manual via the CLI. It could be manual via clicking around in a, in a GUI for that matter. So we really just want to have that, that broad notion that network automation or automation isn't just for you know, standalone as far as systems, that even if there are domain managers or element managers, controllers in the architecture, that it still makes sense to look at things holistically on how all the different types of networks uh, could be automated and orchestrated, you know, through some higher level platform leveraging APIs and, and different tools uh, like that. Excellent point. And so I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, we do want listeners to remember that, you know, um, automation can, when we talk about network automation, specific automation can apply in many different forms, in many different shapes. 
And um, it could be, you know, anywhere from uh, helping to provision new network devices all the way to, um, you know, simplifying how uh, you would use a network virtualization product to implement new features on top of that, right? I mean, either way, there's manual tasks involved. And either way, you want to look for places where you can automate where it makes sense for you and your team. So great point, great point. So uh, Jason, uh, can you share some uh, online contact info in case listeners want to stalk you online? Sure, absolutely. Sure, you find me on Twitter at jedelman8 and personal blog is jedelman.com. Those are the best two avenues to find me on the interwebs. Or I imagine they might be able to find you on the Network to Code Slack team from time to time. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. You can also find me. My handle there is also J Edelman 8. So you can look Twitter J Edelman 8, even Gmail J Edelman 8, should you want to email me. And then on the public uh, Slack Slack team, it's, my handle there is also J Edelman 8. All right. You made it easy for people. That's good. Um, exactly. All right. Great. Well, uh, thanks so much, Jason, for being on the show. Uh, lots of great information here. I really, really uh, appreciate it. Uh, listeners, thanks for joining us. We are uh, just thrilled that you've decided to take some time out of your day to listen to the Full Stack Journey podcast. We would greatly, greatly appreciate it if you take some time uh, to give us some feedback or a review on iTunes or wherever you happen to find the podcast. That um, helps us um, reach new listeners with our content. And uh, if you are somebody who might be interested in sponsoring the show, um, you know, uh, it does take money for us to do the editing and the publishing and the hosting of the podcast. So uh, we're open uh, to that as well. And uh, feel free to contact me. Uh, I'm your host, Scott Lowe. You can reach me on Twitter at Scott underscore Lowe. You can visit my website, blog.scottlowe.org. And if you want to just follow what's happening with the Full Stack Journey podcast, we're also available on Twitter at FSG Podcast. Episodes published, as always, on the Packet Pushers website. Thanks for joining, everyone. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.